And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Saves Yourself, Mama Baden. Oh, and Ryan's here too. Ryan's here. Hi, everyone. Ryan's here. Hello. The sun is not shining, but I'm in a good mood. It's shining here. Oh, all right. I will live vicariously through your sun, Ryan. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Did we lose? So Ryan has malfunctioned. He's doing his best uh, Jared Kushner impression. Like, no, no one knows what Jared Kushner sounds like. Like, he's <laughs> never spoken ever. That's what Ryan's doing right now. She's doing Jared Kushner impressions, not technical issues whatsoever. Uh-huh. You're the host, man. Come on now. That was so funny. <laughs> Seriously, no one knows what that guy sounds like. I've never heard him speak. Okay, Ryan, tell us where our topic is for today. We are discussing travel and how that pertains to autistic people. Ooh. In particular, how to, obviously, if you're a parent of an autistic kid, you know travel might be difficult. You have to change the schedule and then all the sensory issues of all the rushing around to get things packed and mm -hmm. the long car ride where you have to have a whole bag of sensory stuff and food and everything, or going to the airport where you're basically being molested by the TSA agent and all that stuff can just be a nightmare if you're not prepared. And a lot of people don't even know how to be prepared. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about all that in this episode. Perfect, because everybody's traveling. Um, I always get, you know, you brought up some really good points, Torn, in terms of what, what you need to consider. And I always get parents reach out to me and say, do you have anything I should do? Do you have any travel strategies? Or do I need to let the people on the plane know my child is autistic. And um, one of the things I'd love for you guys to expand on or contribute to is one of the things I've seen a lot is parents of autistic adult children that travel together and some airlines won't allow them to sit together unless they pay for the extra sit together in advance fee, which is now something new that a lot of airlines are doing. So there's a lot of controversy over whether someone should have to pay for that service. Um, and is it really a big deal? Should you ask people to switch seats with you? Blah, 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 because it's another adult. So we don't have to jump off with that one, but I just wanted to put that out there. It's so actually funny yeah. you mentioned that. I just saw an article either late last night or early this morning that some airline, I forget which, is actually doing away with that fee. Mm. Good. I forget, I forget where I saw it. It was like one of those headlines you see on Twitter where you're not really looking, it's just feeding you, the algorithm's just feeding you stuff to brainwash you. Um, so I, I forget where I saw it. The one thing I want to get out of the way straight away is if your plan for traveling with an autistic child is, well, we're just going to sort of wing it and see what happens and try to adapt don't, to it. Just, don't, 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 just don't do that. Like, just If that's your plan and you're determined to do that, just turn the app so off right now because... There must be that there's no hope for you. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> That's that, and I know people who do that. And it's just it... Ryan, what do you got for us? Well, you can't fly by the city of your pants whenever you're going to an airport. An airport is an extremely stressful situation of a million factors going on that can overwhelm just about anybody. And plans change all the time, particularly in U.S. airports, because like everything else this country does, we do it very, very bad. <laughs> Like that extra fee to sit together. That's a U.S. airline thing. I have not seen that with European or Asian airline. That's mostly a U.S. carrier thing. God so. bless capitalism. It's not even capitalism because the capitalism is all over Asia and they don't do this. It's a uniquely American problem. <laughs> Are we just true. making so hard for people? Yeah. It, it, it worked before. First come, first serve. Whoever picks their seats first, you get the seats you pick. No, it never worked before. It's just getting worse now. Okay, before 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 we get canceled, um, I'm excited to this episode because Ryan, you did a lot as autistic child. You did a lot of traveling because your parents they traveled everywhere. They traveled. You've been everywhere: France, Hawaii, all those places. Um, so first, I want to ask a general question: What are some of your experiences with traveling? The good, the bad. Were there some things, some issues that constantly came up? Were there some good things constantly came up? Just what was your experience? In my experience, travel is generally pretty fun. 
it has its moments, especially, like I said, dealing with airports, trying to get to your plane on time, dealing with security, the constant moving. Airports are very high traffic, very high sensory. But I do actually want to share one story. Perfect. This was back in uh, my college days, so, you know, forever ago, pretty much. Now, it was for winter break. I was flying home from Syracuse to New York. Because back then, U.S. Airways was still a thing, and they had really cheap flights. For context, that's like a two-hour drive. He flew. A, uh, he flew. Syracuse a, to New York is five hours. A, this, he about? flew a distance you can drive. <laughs> I will ask everyone to not listen to my co-host. He did in two hours because his friend broke the speed limit the whole way through. Yeah, we were going ninety drive. down the. New, we were going hundred down the New York Thruway. Okay, okay, get back. To what I highly saying. cannot recommend that. So please ignore the stupidity of this man. Let's <laughs> move on. So yeah. I get through security. I'm sitting at the gate. Everything seems good. The whole flight gets canceled at the last minute. Total flight cancellation because apparently the one aircraft U.S. Air had to fly was broken. But they canceled the flight and they let me reschedule it. But it was for the next day. As you could, and by the way, for context, I was by myself. This was kind of a scary moment, you know, Flight gets canceled out of nowhere. Have no, I have no idea what I'm going to do. How else am I going to be able to get home? Like the airline reschedules my ticket. They forgot to give me the hotel voucher they're supposed to give, so I have somewhere to stay for the night. Oh no! So I have to get back online behind a bunch of angry people trying to get connections back home. I get like the last voucher. I barely make the final shuttle to the damn hotel because they stopped the shuttles really early for some reason. Mm-mm. Just to give you an idea of how disorganized airports are and everything. Mm-hmm. And remember, folks, Ryan has uh, well, I would say for for autistic people and for people in general, Ryan has probably an above average communication ability, especially for autistic people. So he could do the thing where he could wait in the line and deal with the sudden change, wait in the line and ask for his hotel voucher and figure out the hell he's going to do. He had the executive functioning ability to do that. So he had the processing sequencing, sequencing ability to do that. Some autistic people do not. Some autistic adults do not. So that is one problem right then and there. Um, and then picture if you're going with a child. And having that happen. And that happens all the time. What happened to Ryan happens all the time at airports. And I was I was actually going to, I'm glad you brought that up, Tarn, because I was going to say for our listeners, um, what would you say for, so I can hear folks saying, well, Ryan, I mean, anybody in that situation, it would be really overwhelming and scary, right? If you're by yourself traveling and you don't get it. So what is the difference, just to help our listeners, what's the difference between someone who is not autistic having frustrations and sort of scary moments and someone who is autistic having that scary moment and situation. Well, one difference is being able to communicate with the crew Mm -hmm. of the airline to get it rescheduled Mm -hmm. because that's a, that's a pretty scary thing. Just to even talk to them, Mm -hmm. you're trying to explain where you're going. You have a million different emotions going through your head. And most of us don't have very good communication ability as it is. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like trying to talk with our mouths sewn shut. <laughs> and then the, the, and the flight crew is saying they're overwhelmed too. They don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so they're just as confused as confused. And it's basically like, you know, two people running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to talk to each other. No, no, no calm in the storm. And you have no one to help. Like normally, if I was with someone, I probably would defer to them in that situation, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I talk to parents who will push back on things like that and say, well, I mean, all kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I say, I try to help parents get perspective by explaining, yes, everyone has different experiences, whether you're autistic individual or not. However, the difference is between sensory overload and meltdown or not, right? Like those who are not autistic, that's not something that would happen. But for an autistic individual, that experience is the difference between and the coping strategy they need to carry out or avoiding that scenario um, is the difference between having a meltdown or going into sensory overload. And neurotypicals don't have to 
um, have that as a concern. So that is the difference from my perspective when I try to help parents understand, because sometimes people will brush off things like it's not that difficult because everybody has challenges. Um, but it is a different experience for someone who has communication differences or sensory challenges for those scenarios with travel. And speaking of difficulties, do you remember as a child, anything kind of like, you know, uh, thinking, gosh, I wish my parents really would or would have while I was traveling that would have made it easier for me? Or did you feel like they had a really good handle on accommodating and, and supporting your needs? I think they were pretty good, all things considered. Mm -hmm. The one thing is airports are very, very loud. Mm -hmm. and that's something I want to mention, too. It's hard. And you're already overwhelmed. It's hard to deal with everything else going on at the airport, like the smells, the crowd, oh, especially the smells. People don't put on deodorant and they fly for some odd reason. Then the sounds, like constant announcements being screened. 99% of it has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. The airport is. And I wish I had better headphones at the time, but that's a tech problem, not a parent problem. So well, I that's can't really. That's something parents need to consider too, you know? You need to dull the sensory outlook take as much as possible right from the get-go because there's nothing you can do on the plane really once you're on that plane you're on it until it lands so if you're already in a bad situation it's only going to get worse that is true thanks for the headphone tip ryan i was going to ask you if you yeah. had any noise canceling headphones are are up in general for autistic kids noise canceling headphones are a must and Fortunately for our listeners, they're way more accessible than they were. Oh. Even when when Ryan was a kid, we're talking about late 90s, early 2000s. Oh. So the only really noise cancelers you have were Bose. They were like $200. Now you can like 30 bucks. You can get like yeah. a pair of Sony's, $30, yeah. $40. Go to Best Buy, go to Amazon, probably get it cheaper. And you used to have those, those really crappy headphones that go around your ear and just like press it and like just press to get your ear against oh god I, I i my, my uncle got me a pair of those for my birthday i for my birthday or christmas a couple of years back and i tried to use it for a few months just like to be grateful but they suck mm -hmm. but look for over ear anything that's noise canceling is almost certainly going to be over ear mm -hmm. uh beats claimed their buds beats beats by dre they claim their buds are noise canceling i own a pair of beats they are not in my they're opinion not very they good, are not yeah. Go if you're gonna go with headphone noise canceling headphones, go with Sony's. Sony's I, I love Sony's for for electronics, especially headphones. I've had <laughs> very good because I'm someone who uses headphones to block out sensory input. And I would say go with Sony's. Sony's make good noise cancelers. If you're traveling, that's a must because pretty much mm -hmm. anywhere you travel, it's gonna be loud and chaotic. I think another thing that we, we, we have, another facet of this <laughs> isn't just the travel itself, but the prep that goes yes. into traveling. Yeah, because yeah. so much of going on vacation is just psychosis. Mm -hmm. It's just craziness as mm -hmm. you're rushing everything packed. Most people wait till the last minute. I know mm -hmm. I do. The things are changing. Your schedule's up the air. You're probably on a lack of sleep because you have an early flight or an early mm -hmm. train because for some reason all this stuff is done at five in the morning and I don't know why. So you have changed in schedules. You have chaos in the household. What, Stacy, in your experience, what are some ways sort of mitigate those? Because those need to be mitigated best mm -hmm. as possible. Well, you know, I'm all about structure and being proactive. So planning is part of that. Um, I will say with the families that I work with who um, are planning to travel and who have traveled, one of the things we always do is we make sure that we get our portable visuals, right? So either get something downloaded on your phone where you can do your visual schedule if your child uses that, um, or make sure you have portable visuals with you. Make sure you have all your chargers, <laughs> charge, backup chargers, charge everything, double charge, because when you do get on a plane, technology is going to be you and your child's best friend and you want everything to be charged. Try to plan and pick a flight that has the plug right? If you're going to be on a long flight, um, because that can be contentious. You know, the reality of it is there's not much to do once you're on a plane, right? So once you're there, like Ryan said, you're there. So expecting children to sit, any children to sit for a long time, you have to bring things to entertain them. Um, that's when I tell parents, that's when you bring your sensory bag, right? Have things packed, have things ready for them to do. Um, that's when you bring out 
the, the snacks and the candy you never give them, right? You put that in the bag for when you just really having some one of those moments like flights delayed, right? Another 45 minutes when the visual schedule says we're about to get on the plane. So guess what? <gasps> Mommy bought hot fries. We never get hot fries, but hot fries make us happy when we're in a situation we have no control over, right? Um, those are the times where you, and 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 that's not, going to set your child back or think they're going to expect to get hot fries all the time. We all do things when we're traveling. Like when you're on the road trip, you go to the gas station to get junky food that you probably don't eat most of the time, right? You do a lot of things when you're traveling. Wait, um, you, don't, you don't eat like McGriddles every single day? Um, maybe most people don't. Do. Oh, I don't shit. know. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> So make sure you have all the favorite sensory snacks um, that work for your kiddo and social stories are great for some kids who've not been on a plane. So they know what to expect. They do have a lot of airlines that are really great. When you get to the gate, you can let them know that your child is autistic or has sensory processing, whatever you want to say, if you feel you need to. A lot of airlines are really good at letting our kiddos go and see the front of the plane, like they'll let them go see, because some kids like to see like what's going on. Um, not all kids are interested. Um, so sometimes that helps to ease kids sort of angst about what to expect when they get to see, right? I've had parents tell me that the airline let them board first so their child could see the plane before everyone got on it, right? And see what it looked like before they sat down. For some kids, that split second of getting a pre uh, a peek at something before they've ever been on it um, is helpful. Um, they do have programs also, if, if our listeners are not aware, look and see at some of your local autism society organizations or parent support groups. A lot of airlines also do these classes where, I don't know if you, you guys are aware of it because you don't have children, but you can bring your autistic kiddo and they actually have a plane and they get on a plane and they practice putting a seatbelt on. So it's like a real life social story prep, right? For kiddos to have the experience so that they know what to expect before they travel. That, that, that actually everywhere. sounds cool because the, yeah. the new experience mm -hmm. also can be an issue. Just don't exactly. fly Spirit Airlines. No. No, no, no. I've heard I've heard Spirit, I've never flown, flown Spirit. I've heard Spirit described as the short bus of the sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes Greyhound look like a luxury bus line by comparison. Jesus Christ. I have taken Greyhounds. That's saying something. We've all <laughs> taken Greyhound at some point. It's the cheapest Grey, way to get in the Greyhound is basically like one of those like you know those like third world buses you see in Calcutta. Like that's mm -hmm. Greyhound. I do want to share a Greyhound story. I don't know if it's appropriate right now. So oh, yes. It's the Greyhound is travel. And it's the Greyhound's worst travel. form of travel. So, yes, it's very appropriate. <laughs> yeah, bus travel is just very, very, very bad. And it's, it's the cheapest mode of transportation to get anywhere. So it's the least maintained and the least cared about. Yes. And uh, I, I'll, I'll try to make this Greyhound story brief because I have other topics. This was another time coming home from college. I was taking the bus from Syracuse to New York, which is about like four and a half hours. I'm with my girlfriend. We're there. We're, we are, we're at the same bus. We're going together. That's not four and a half. That's closer to six. I've taken that ride. That's a six hour ride. It's supposed to be four and a half, but let's continue. <laughs> there's this, we get there pretty early and there's this like massive group of kids that missed their bus. And Greyhound has a policy where you don't have to board the bus your ticket says. You can get on any Greyhound. So if you miss one, you, just get, you can just get on the next one. But they don't really tell you if they run out of seats. So they let all these kids board the bus that I'm supposed to be on. They let me get on. They stopped everyone behind me, including my girlfriend. They that sucks. Get on the bus with me. And they didn't tell me anything either. So I turn around. She's arguing with the guy at the gate. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And I literally told I'm like, yo, what the fuck? So I was like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And like, okay, either you let her on or you let me off because this is not happening right now. Yeah. I'm demanding a refund. Like, you, one of those is happening. So they kicked me off. They let me off the bus, basically. <laughs> once, again, once again, you had the communication skills, luckily, fortunately. To... There was a bit of an emotional connection there, too, I will say. Yeah, I was sure hope um, 
if your girlfriend wasn't allowed on the bus. It would have really sucked if they like closed the door behind you, just peeled the hell out of the regional tram station center. Your that would have been, like, <laughs> been a lawsuit coming for sure. <laughs> Greyhound is I I've had I've had a lot of experience with Greyhound because um I when I went to college, I had to travel like a peasant, meaning with the bus. <laughs> the bus is how how I used to travel. And it was I'm not gonna go into it because he's pretty much covered the experience. It, it sucks. It's very crowded. Uh, no, it's long. It's uncomfortable. There aren't chargers, at least back then. There Everyone's weren't chargers. Loud. So someone, I remember, I went travel with friends once, and it was me, the one of my co-creators, one of my co-writers on some of the scripts I do, and another friend of mine, and we were just shooting the shit and having a good time on on a hell ride through like the ass the ass end of nowhere. And this person, this lady got really mad. First, she started bitching because she realized she forgot her headphones. Then she got mad at us for being loud because she forgot her headphones. And we almost got kicked off the bus because we yelled back. It's like, it's not our fault. You forgot your headphones. So just so you know, it's not just an autistic thing. I don't know. This woman, maybe she's autistic. I don't know. But and I, I think that this, this is a bit of a, of, of a tangent, but it's also important because, like I said, Ryan had communication skills. And also demonstrate you need to have preparation. Mm-hmm. And I'm using like big words and trying to sound smart to sort of tie this conversation that's gone completely off the freaking rails. <laughs> so Stacy, save us, please. No, no, I can oh. tie this back. I got something. So, you, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go, go, go. When it comes to prepping for travel, mm-hmm. it's always good to make a checklist beforehand of everything you need. Some things can change, like what kind of clothes you want to wear exactly, or if you want to bring sunglasses or not. But some things you need to like write down and know, and you can pack well and some things well in advance. Some things I'd recommend would be like your kids' favorite snacks, because mm-hmm. you know airports and airplanes that tend not to have a very good variety. If you have a particularly picky eater of a child, it might be good to pack like a sandwich for them, something you can easily putting onto the plane. Exactly. Amtrak, same way. They have no variety of food. Mm-hmm. Airplane food is notoriously awful, especially since economy is the only way people can really fly nowadays because of pricing. Yeah. And you'll, you'll be lucky to even get food on most flights. Yeah. So you definitely need to pack that on, t- on, on top of the sensory kit. Mm-hmm. You need to basically write in your preparation, assuming that something is going to be delayed, that something is not yeah. going to go right because it almost never does. If it yep. does, it's a blessing. Even with trains, trains get the de- Amtrak gets delayed all the time when you're go when you're traveling, because they sh- they basically rent out to the freight companies, so freight trains get priority on the tracks. Gotcha. I did not know that. I would. Um, I love the checklist idea, and one of the things I'll recommend to our listeners um, that I've recommended to parents before is. You can start teaching, you know, I'm always about children learning independence, right? And if we teach little independent skills as they grow, you don't have to cram everything in before they turn 18. So for little kids, you know, I tell parents, tell them to pack their sensory basket. They know what they need. Like they know exactly what they want to bring on. Ask them, what do you want in your sensory backpack? If you have children who are, and you know, then remember to check it to make sure it's the stuff they need because they're probably going to forget something. So don't just give it to them yeah. and then oh, assume yes. they're going to get it right follow the first up. time. You, you got to yes. come in behind and make sure they actually did it right. Yeah, and follow up to make sure they didn't put any other extra goodies that are illegal through TSA. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. You have no giant, yes. no giant bottles of liquid. Yeah. TSA will confiscate like granular stuff like kinetic sand. They'll take that. They won't let you bring. They'll take oh, they'll a test it. if it's big enough. They'll te- they'll test it, um, which delays you. So just little things sensory wise. Um, I actually had a bunch of sensory stuff I brought, and I was bringing it back to me to Puerto Rico or whatever it was I was picking up for something, and um, I literally almost had a panic attack because my bag got pulled to the side, and I was like, okay, listen. I work with autistic children and I need all of those sensory items and blinky balls in there because I had all this weird stuff, right? And they were like, well, what is this? And I'm like, sensory. So I just kept saying the word autism over and over again like for sympathy purposes. And they were like, okay, just go. Um, because I've lost stuff before, like kinetic sand, like they've taken it and, and said I couldn't bring it. And it was closed up. It wasn't even a large container. So just beware of 
what you can bring and cannot bring. Um, but and older just, kids and, can make a checklist. You can and do a just checklist. Re, and just remember, I'm sorry to cut you off. And just remember, if you do get caught, what you said, just say, Stacy was kind of joking, but just say autism over and over. That's true. That will work. Oh, because yeah. remember, most people's conception of autism is mm -hmm. like screaming meltdowns and like kids who grunt. Mm -hmm. So as a result, yeah. you can use that to your advantage. One, you can just say, I have an autistic, I have a child with autism. Mm -hmm. I work with children with autism. Mm -hmm. Make sure you say with autism too, because that's what, how most people think. And you're more likely to get away with some stuff mm -hmm. because remember what they think is they think of like screaming and meltdowns and grunting. Mm -hmm. So they're not, they, they, no, no one wants, no one wants to be the guy who possibly subjects a parent to that. <laughs> so use that, use those harsh stereotypes to your yeah. advantage. I'm, there's not a joke. I'm being, no, no, you know, and, and I'm glad you said that because in regards to travel, when you travel to places like Disney world and all those places, just for parents to know, they do have these things called fast passes for kids with sensory processing challenges, autistic kiddos, um, kids with other disabilities, where it's not that you are getting a pass and you get to do everything, ride all the rides you want to ride. The free pass is something that, like you said, Torin, the park does not want anyone to experience meltdowns, right? And it's not fun for the kids. It's not for the family. And it's not fun for the other people waiting in line, right? Nobody's having fun when someone has a meltdown because of sensory overload at an amusement park like Disney World. So the fast pass is designed so that you get your fast pass, you, you, you do it ahead of time. That's another prep thing. You call, you go online, you fill it out. The way it works is you're able to schedule. So let's say that your kiddo wants to see, I don't know, teapot ride. I don't know what's at Disney World. They like to see teapot ride. You schedule a time. Teapots, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you schedule the time so that you and your family with your, your child who needs that support, you go and then you just go in and get on the line. It's not that you don't have to wait or you get to cut in front of people. It's a way for you to not have to wait and put your child or anyone else in a situation that could lead to a meltdown. So just to let you know, and the fast pass is wonderful. Everyone that gets it has a great experience and people who didn't know about it are like, oh my gosh, next time I need to make sure I get it. I didn't know that was available. So uh, just so to let you I don't want to contradict you here, but... Mm -hmm. Fast pass is an outdated term as of last year. Disney re changed their whole system. It's a lot different, a lot more complicated now. Well, it's a paid fast pass no. is a paid system now. You pay to access the app, and then you pay extra for certain rides to get in at a to get in at a yes. certain time. Ryan's been to Disney World like every them. year for the last twenty years. He knows his stuff. It's completely awful. Everyone hates it. The app doesn't work half the time. <gasps> So it's like it's like it's like Disney in general. So it's like Disney in general. It's awful well, and everyone hates it. I will say my families have gone and had a really good experience. So hopefully <laughs> most people will have a good experience. I'm sorry that they change and it's causing complications. Definitely gotta do your research and perhaps call someone who works at yeah, Disney to, to learn how out. it pertains to like autistic or other disabled kids first. Gotcha. Universal oh. Studios used to have this system where if you had a physical disability, you bring a mm -hmm. card up to the ride mm -hmm. and then they would give you a select time to come back later to go ride it. I, I went for a friend one time who has complications yeah. as a result of Lyme disease. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's not perfect, but it does work. And you definitely got to do the research in advance. Yeah. You can't just show you up. Do. All right. Don't, you guys hear that? Check the website. Check the website. I hate all these changes. I don't like changes. Like Facebook keeps changing things and it's, 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 the, it's, it's, it's the world we live in. Well, I'm going to pull out the shifting narrative bingo cards. Everybody what? pull out your bingo cards. Everybody pull out your bingo cards and what? just stamp the Torin talks about poor people button. It should, the, the little one should be right on the upper I broke it from corner. overuse. I'm sorry. My broke. I used it too much. Yeah, I know. The Torin <laughs> talks about poor people. One of the concerns I have is everything, all these things such as like airline classes and the the new fast pass you mentioned costs extra money on top of vacations, which are already incredibly expensive. That's something I know very well. I've, if you wonder how I haven't mentioned anything about the plane, I've never been on a plane because I grew up very poor. Like vacation for me was like going across the Hudson River to my aunt's house in New Jersey, 30 miles away. 
I think the furthest away from home I've ever been is to college, which is just in another part of the state. So for families who want to go on vacation but aren't pulling in 500 grand a year, what are some ways they can, is it even possible, first of all, to be able to go on vacation if you have a child with heavy sensory needs and processing issues and doesn't deal well with crowds and heat and things like that? What are some ways, or is it even possible at all, to be able to go on family vacation if you're not living in the freaking high rise in Hoboken? That's a really good um, question, Torin. And what I will say is that, yes, there are people who don't have money to travel. But I will tell you, Torin, everyone is traveling. I have people right now who are traveling and they're like, oh, you know, we don't have any funding for. I'm like, how is everybody going on three vacations this summer? What are they doing that I'm not doing? I have no clue. Abusing their, their are, job privileges, likely, and still. And calling in sick, maybe. Lots of people are traveling. One of the jokes we had in Puerto Rico when COVID kind of lifted, we were having all of these people from the States coming and causing arguments in the stores and at the gas stations and doing all this. And the joke was the airline tickets are so low, anybody can get a plane ticket now. Like people who are ignorant and have no courtesy about other people's culture are getting plane tickets, right? So it was a huge problem in Puerto Rico um, because tickets were so low. Yeah, it was really, and, and people, you know, and and like you said, it's not that you, you know, you necessarily want to make judgment, but you know, you can't come to someone's place and disrespect their culture, right? But people who don't, who have not traveled outside of the state, sometimes don't understand that. And I'm not talking about it. People who have money do the same thing. They can be just as whatever. But one of the things I will say is in regards to can you go, can you not go, whether you're taking a road trip, you know, there are strategies for that. I tell parents, you've got to map it out. You've got to know where the bathrooms are. You've got to know and map it out and sometimes make sure you stop at the rest area, map it out and look for the parks that have the swing for your child. All of that stuff is free. You can do all that off your phone. Exactly. You need to map out um, for some kids. Some kids need to know what to expect more than others. Some kids need to know every place you're going to go. Get your little map, right? You have access to everything now with your phone. You can let them look it out, look it up. Some kids like to map it out themselves. It depends on your kiddo. I I was one of those kids. Google Maps will actually now map out where like the crazy homeless people are on your route to wherever you're going. No way. No way. Obviously, guys, <laughs> obviously I'm making a joke. I'm not sure. You might have, you sound like you almost believe me. And the thing no. is, Google Maps is so advanced, that's almost plausible. Yes. Like they would have a little thing say, crazy homeless person on the yes. corner. Yes, they would do that. No, I purposely... They would tell you a store closed five years ago. So yeah, they would yeah. yeah, yeah, tell you about a store that's been closed for five years, yeah. That's my new strategy for Torrance, um sarcastic British humor is I pause, I have to process it. And then I have to figure out, am I supposed to laugh or not laugh? Well, see, that's, why, that's why I don't say anything usually. It's for the best. I love it. Though. I love it. So road trips, bring your items, map it out, make sure that you um, stop often, right? If your kid needs to move, but I also give parents lots of tips on how you can do sensory with a theraband in the car. Um, the other part about can we go? So this is where families have to decide, are there certain things that we may have to do separately or differently, right? So you can choose a small family family vacation that is catered to your autistic child and everybody goes and enjoys that. And then maybe you can plan another vacation if necessary to go to a place that may not be sensory conducive for your kiddo and arrange for them if possible to either stay with one of the parents and you split up or you have them stay with someone. I think that it's great when we can all do things together, but it's okay if we do things separately. It's if it, if one person is not going to be able to enjoy it. And I think there's a balance because a lot of times parents feel caught in a quandary that every choice is made around the autistic child, right? We can only go here because the autistic child and the other siblings feel like we can never go to the amusement park, right? We can never go to to, um, Six Flags. You can go to Six Flags. 
You just don't have to bring the child that doesn't want to go to Six Flags because it's too much. Like, I don't understand. That's just me. Also, have you tried everything first? Like, have you tried noise canceling headphones and sunglasses? A lot of times they'll say we can't do it and say, well, have you tried doing things like sunglasses? Like, wait, what? And like, so so basically you just took the kid you knew had sensory issues, put them in a horse sensory environment with no protection. No protection. Once you melted down and you gave up. Exactly. And I'm talking specifically, Torin, you're right. I'm, th- I'm glad you brought that up because I'm talking from a reference of parents that have already done all those things, right? And the child has clearly communicated, I don't want to go to the circus, but the other kids like the circus, right? So you guys go to the circus or not circus, that Disney on ice thing that parents bring their kids to, right? Some kids don't like the circus either. I didn't like the circus. My mother tortured me at the circus. I hated it. I told her when I was a grown up, I don't know why you kept bringing me. I cried every time. I do not like clowns. I repeat, I do not like clowns. Yeah, just leave the kid at home. And obviously, that, that they're not going to mind. They, you might think they're, like, they're not going to mind. Trust nope. me, most autistic kids, we want to be left by ourselves anyway. Nope. And we certainly would, would rather be by ourselves than in an environment we hate, especially if the kid's old enough yes. to communicate that. Yes, yes. Like, I would say, I, when I, when, when, in school, whenever the class go on a field trip to a place I didn't want to go, I just, they had a choice. Like you could either go on the field trip or you could do, stay behind and do work. Mm-hmm. And they make it, they, they may be like, basically you don't have a choice. Either go on a trip or you're going to have a miserable day. And I'm just like, I'll just do the work. I don't care. Yeah. I had, um, there was a mom that posted once um, in reference to Mardi Gras. And she said, you know, does anybody have any tips on, um, how to bring my son to the Mardi Gras parade. It's really, really, you know, he doesn't like blah, blah, blah. And I literally commented and said, don't bring him. Oh, There's parades no, are rough. Parades there is no way to block the sensory input at a Mardi Gras parade. Do not bring him. Split your family, take turns and shift out or don't go at all. Yeah, the whole the point other? of Mardi Gras is that sensory overload. Oh like, my that's gosh, the point. it is total sensory overload. Um, so... There's a way to work it out. And sometimes you have to think outside the box. But I think what all of us are getting to is you have to be proactive. You have to plan. You have to plan for what goes wrong. You have to plan for delays. (laughs) You have to... it's like when you are when you have an infant, which I know neither of you knows what it's like to have a newborn, but whenever you go anywhere with an infant, you have to bring everything but the kitchen sink, as my grandma used to say. You've got to bring everything from home because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but I just want to jump in and be like, so don't treat your nine-year-old autistic child like an infant. That that was no. just an analogy. Don't don't no. view don't view it like you have an infant if they're like no. older than no. an infant. I'm talking about when you have to pack everything to go to your mom's house for Sunday dinner that you didn't have to pack before you had a baby. So when you travel with a kiddo that has communication differences and sensory needs to consider, you need to make sure, and um, uh, food um, uh, considerations, you need to make sure that you proactively prepare to have all of that available so that everyone has a good time. I always tell parents you can, you just have to do it differently, right? And you just have to do a little bit more prep work sometimes. But once you start doing it and you figure it out, I mean, you know, parents who do it all the time, they just become you know, like Ryan. I mean, they just become, they get, they travel and they go all the time. And interestingly enough, there are some kiddos, um, autistic kiddos that actually love to travel, like love to get out of the house and go places. I mean, they're like, you know, trying to figure out when we're going to get in the car and go somewhere next, right? Like the parents are like having to drive them around on the weekends because they love to go somewhere. So every child is different. Uh, Don't just assume that your child doesn't want to have new experiences. Go prepared, try it out and and make adjustments as needed, I guess would be a little bit of my two cents. What you got, Ryan? I don't think travel or vacations is ever impossible for any one family. Mm -hmm. You just have to really understand your budget. Mm -hmm. Know that if you're if you're not making six figures, you're not going to be able to just go to Disney World for a week at the highest paid hotel. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you get, sometimes just think small, you know, mm-hmm. if you have a car, great, take the car. Yep. If you're a city boy and you don't have a car, you got to look at maybe the train, which is mm-hmm. probably better for an autistic kid. We tend to really like trains. Yeah. They're not as ne- loud. Ne- never take Greyhound. Like, 
Mecha, just don't take if you have to take Greyhound somewhere, just don't go. Yeah. Take Mega Bus if you really have to get a bus there. It's at least bigger, like, like if you have a family member that dies and the only way to get there is Greyhound, just tell the people who just tell the rest of your family, listen, just set up a TV screen, set up a computer screen. I'll just zoom because I'm not taking Greyhound. That's not happening. Tell them, so, tell them to pay for your plane ticket. They want you there. That yeah, just, just, roll, just roll out the laptop or just roll out a laptop right in front of the casket and just open it and I'll zoom in and I'll pay my respects over Zoom because I'm not taking I'm not taking Greyhound. That's not happening. Yes. Exactly. And one of the other things is, um, Ryan, you just made me think in terms of that may even be a part of um, um, some prep strategy, right? Like take a small road trip for an hour and a half or two hours outside of your area and do a little um, exploring and see how your kid responds. And then that gives you data on what you need to prepare for, right? When you have things that go awry, that's when you know, okay, note to self, don't do that. Note to self, bring sunglasses or whatever. Um, so that could be something even maybe taking, um, you know, for our listeners, like taking a train ride, right? Um, from one city to the next, like you could take an, a 90, 45 minute train ride and see how your kiddo responds and then figure out what you need to bring for the big trip, right? And start planning. So well, there are I know little... a guy who goes to Albany all the time by train. Mm-hmm. He's not just a, 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 mm-hmm. an adult. And he just likes to ride Amtrak to Albany and back just because it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fun. That train ride is fun. That's the train ride me and Ryan would take to get to college. Mm-hmm. It's fun until Albany. Albany is the state capital of New York. And then after Albany, you just get driven through like bum bleep nowhere. And all you see is horses and trees for like three hours. So the Albany part, New York to Albany, that's fun. Another thing I want to mention before we get going is... Me and Ryan, we have experiences to travel, but understand our sensory sort of tuning is a little different because we both grew up in New York City. I grew up in Manhattan, which is the center of the city. Ryan grew up near Manhattan. He grew up in a very built up, he grew up in a part of Brooklyn, it's like right across the river from Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So we already have become accustomed to things like crowds and loud noises and bright lights and unpleasant smells and crazy crackheads jumping out of alleyways and things like that because even though while we may not like it that's just part of our existence we're sort of we have a certain adaption to that that if you're from the suburbs for example or from a more rural area your child may not have mm-hmm. so also keep those into account our experiences aren't going to be your child's experiences mm-hmm. our experiences are shaped not just by being autistic but where we grew up that's something to take into account that's a really good point um Torin. when i moved to puerto rico and Puerto Rico is a very loud, like it's loud all the time. Like at any random time, like loud music just starts playing. Yeah, but I grew up in a Dominican neighborhood. So they play, they, they play like, like they, they, they play reggaeton to like four yeah. in the morning regularly. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I absolutely, like, that was the first thing, or should I say that was one of the things that was really hard for me to adjust when I moved to Virginia. I kept saying it's so quiet in the woods. Like there's no like, like where's the music? Like there's so quiet, right? But I remember saying, know how the autistic kids function in this environment it's just overwhelming right there's colors and music and people you get used like to you it said, it's their acclimation it's what they i mean not saying that some of the kids didn't walk around covering their ears however the reality of it is most of the kids in puerto rico have access to the outdoors and the beach all the time so they're getting all their sensory needs met just naturally in their environment which is amazing you know, um, there's going to be some parent that listens to this and goes, oh, so what we can do is we're just going to throw our kid in some of the harshest environments possible no, for prolonged periods of time and they'll adapt to it. No, that no is doesn't not work like that. Said. You have to be, you basically have to be born into it or be yes. right or have been there since you yeah. were a child. Like, or you it, go to school, like you go to college in that place on your own and you learn to adjust. Yeah, I would even say even in college, I know people who came from like rural areas. And they did not deal with like when there be parties on campus and stuff like yeah. that. They did not deal with it very well because they came from quiet areas as opposed to me where it's like, I'm like, this is nothing. Like, and the neighborhood I grew up in is heavily Dominican. Yeah. So what they do is not only do they play music, they stick their speakers out the windows. And it's and like it's apartment buildings mostly. I grew up in the projects. So you have alleyways and things like that. So multiple people doing that means the sound sort of echoes off the buildings and creates mm-hmm. this gigantic surround sound of just 
music that for some reason all of it just sounds like this. Da 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 like they all sounds the same to me, at least to me. And it goes on like four in the morning, especially during the summer. So you it's annoying, but you sort of when you grew I grew up in that apartment. I grew up in the same apartment. I was there from the time I was born to the time I was like 20 something. So you adapt to it. Your child, if they didn't grow up in that, they're not going to adapt the same way. They're just not. And, and you have to take that. It's not all. Like, yeah. And, and, better, and, but... and children, um, in all children in utero, right? You, when children, when babies are in utero, they're already getting used to the sounds because they can hear at a certain point. So they're already used to, if you're a loud family, they're already accustomed to it. But I think that's a really good point just to remind everyone, please do not, uh, feel that torturing your children in a sensory environment that's discomfort is, is something that's going to uh, make it better for them because that can be very, very traumatic. Um, and I wanted to tell a story and tr I'm trying to figure out how it relates to travel, but it doesn't, it's relating to sensory. So I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to let Torin and Ryan say some final words. All right. Um <laughs> Well, so I think to just reiterate the point of this whole conversation, mm -hmm. like if you prep in advance, if you, if you don't, if you take the necessary precautions, basically, you don't throw your kid right into the hellfire straight out the, out the gate. You can go on vacation and have a good time, but the key is never to force it. Mm -hmm. Like if, Sometimes a trip just up to a log cabin in the woods can be far better than going to a theme park. Mm -hmm. It just really depends on your situation. You got to know yourself and your kid. Yeah. And one of the things that um, I want to just finish on, because I know we're talking about traveling and we're thinking of vacation. One of the scenarios that often comes into play is parents who have to travel for one of the other siblings sporting events. For example, a soccer match, right? Which is all day, all day, all day all day. So those are times when parents need to decide if they need to divvy up the family and some go and some don't because it is very taxing to do soccer tournaments for everyone who is not autistic but for your autistic child. Um, it can it's it like Torin said, don't feel like someone's missing out because you're keeping them sensory safe, right? And it's better for your child to be sensory safe than for you to have family photos to make it seem like everyone went when it's really not something that will work for them. And, and soccer tournaments are, are something that a lot of parents, baseball in the summer, right? It's a lot of traveling, a lot of going from city to city for some families. And sometimes that's really hard for um, the autistic kiddo, no matter what age they are. So just think about your family, prep like Ryan said, and um, just give yourself grace. Know that it may look a little different and you may have to think outside the box, but it can be done in a way that works for everyone. Torin? And notice how, and this is not really related, but it kind of is. Notice how the assumption, and I'm sure this does happen a lot, is that it's for enough that you're traveling for like sport events for another sibling because mm -hmm. of course autistic kids we're not playing sports or anything like that um, no i know that's you not what mean I'm that saying. but I, I do agree that it can be hard for autistic kids to deal with those sort of tournaments and stuff both me and ryan did some traveling when we played sports and it sucks you're dragging a lot of heavy shit, especially in the city where you can't drive in new york city you really can't because of traffic, so you're, you're taking the train. So you're dragging all, you remember that, Ryan, yeah. all the equipment we'd have to drag out. Like, you're, you're, you're basically a human mule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, we have to drag our stuff from Roosevelt Island in New York City, which is between Manhattan and Queens, all the way to, like, Flushing Meadows Park for soccer games. Which game, is, like, which in is the suburbs. on the opposite end of the city from where I live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically, you're almost hitting the suburbs, and then you got to drag it all back home. Yeah. At the end of it, when you're tired yeah. from a long match. Yes, it's all. And you got to deal with the, we have to deal with the subway. There's no air conditioning on the train. There's, there's no air conditioning. We had to take the seven line. You remember having to go out Stay to Flushing during Met games? Because we had to take the train that took you to Met games. <laughs> and we would go like right as the, the crowd going to the games would go up. So mm -hmm. the trains, oh, I, I digress. There's yeah. one train. <laughs> yeah, traveling sucks. I'm, well, let's just settle with that. Traveling sucks. I hate it. 
Um, I do as little as possible. Okay, so I have to bring this up because I think this is a really good example for listeners because I like people to see. Anyway, so to me, this is an example of, in my head, I am assuming that if I'm saying the travel is for the sibling and the autistic sibling, it, it may be difficult. I am assuming in my head that if the autistic child is playing sports, they're going to be fine because they're highly motivated to go, even though there may be some discomfort. So that's the part where it's in my head, but I didn't say that out loud because I'm not assuming that the autistic child would not be a part of sports. The other part I want to finish we're with. Part. We're just the bench players. Usually. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're riding on the bench. That's where we are. I think Lionel Messi has autism, though, and he's one of the yes. best soccer players on earth. One of the other things that I want to, because I'm trying to give our listeners, especially parents, ideas and scenarios. For example, those soccer, whatever tournaments or, or things, whatever. It could be the band. I don't know, whatever kids are doing these days. If you are traveling as a family, sometimes if you are able, this is where thinking outside the box, this is where I talk to parents about building that support system. If you have one friend, one relative that you know, um, can come with you, then you're actually, cause you know, sometimes a nanny is not, that's out of most people's realm, but a friend or family, right? They can come with you. Even if it's a family teenage, a neighbor's friend who gets along really well with your kids, they can travel with you. And that's a scenario where when I say think differently, let's say that, you know, Bobby, who is autistic and nine, wants to see his brother play soccer, but he can't stay for all five games, right? It's just a lot. Not that anybody else wants to stay for the five <laughs> games. Let me remind everyone, nobody likes the all-day soccer tournaments, right? It's daunting. But you can have that person that can say, oh, okay, they saw the first game, the morning's their best time. Let's go back to the hotel and go swimming for sensory input, right? So there are different ways that you can do it where the child can be included. You just have to be proactive and think outside the box. And that's where building that support system. Yes, that's hard work. It's not always available, but it is another way because some people have support systems and they don't even know they can use them. So I like to give those ideas. And that's finally finished. That's it. What are we here for? Torin, close us out. Make me stop. The only thing, because I'm sick in the head, like, all I can think of is, when you mentioned that, it's like going to a music park and heading to the hotel pool for sensory input, and, like, the kid hates water. And you just dump his ass in there, and he's like, help me, help me. He's like, it's sensory input. You like it. You love this. And he turns to, turns, to, turns to the concerned bystander. It's like, oh, no, he, he's having a great time. It's, he has autism. It's sensory input. He, he loves it. Ah! Okay. See, he's screaming with his, with enjoyment. I, I will tell you of my lived experience, not research-based evidence, I can count on my two hands how many parents have actually told me their child does not like water. Usually I hate it, it is. I hate it. You, then no, you're the, hate you're it. The my, my dad would have been one of them. I yeah. hated it. I can't it swim. Very, I don't like being in pools. Very rare for kids not. I mean, water is usually the part we're trying to like pull the kids out of. That, that's great. Like both you me and Ryan. You can't get me in the water, okay? You can't get me in the water. Ryan, you can't swim either, right? Okay. You no, know what? I'm there's fine. something wrong with there's something wrong with you, New York people. You've been around the cement too long. What's water, the, water the water is great. The water around New have York. Have you is seen green. the water around us? Go yeah. on us is it's radiated. <laughs> we, have, we have one of the most radiated sites on earth. Okay, Stacey, that's why we are working to Shift the narrative on everything autism. Yes. Let's get the hell out of here before this completely goes off the rails.